to the Golf Barons Podcast, Tenuous Links, a golf pun we're not only incredibly proud of, but one we're also sure to emulate. Let us careen through bloviated opinions on all things golf, some outrageous innovation ideas to speed up the game, a few laughs, and an historical retelling of an iconic golf moment. Time to add some swagger to your swing. Hello, Barons. Welcome to today's Tenuous Links Golf Podcast. We've got a lot to get through, and to help us navigate through all of the minutiae of the last seven days, we'll need to get the whole Golf Barons crew up and about, and that's exactly what we have. Welcome tonight, boys, Philbert, Kipper, and Davman. Good to be here, Shooter, along with my best friend, Minutia. <laughs> it is a fancy word, like dichotomous. Good morning, afternoon, and good night, boys. Hello, hello, hello Barons. Welcome to our boys. Now, you, now we're all in here, boys. We're in the trust tree, the tree of trust. It's time to get all of that negativity that's been building up over the past seven days, perhaps even festering. Let's get that off our chest, and no one's better at it than one Phil Burt. <laughs> he, does, he does rule this segment, doesn't he? <laughs> Well, no one's more confused about it, that's for sure, because my love is a love-hate, or my hate is a hate-love-hate love, love, uh, back and forth, in that I've got to just get rid of my love to get my hate, my love, I love daylight savings, which leads to my hate. I hate daylight savings without golf. It's one of the great things that we can taunt Queenslanders about. It doesn't make sense, does it? Where, yeah, it's six o'clock. I'm on the 11th. I'll, I'll be home and it'll still be light. But no, no, we're not allowed to play golf. You might have caught on that we're not allowed to play golf. And in fact, not allowed to step outside our house at this point in time whilst holding a golf club. I'm out. Or oh, holding anything, Philip. <laughs> oh, I've tried. Well, Phil, that actually flows right into my what, – what's, what's got on my goat this week? And quite honestly, politics around freaking COVID. I am absolutely done with it. Uh, there's absolutely no reason golf should be banned in Victoria. It's brainless. It's 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 stupid. Oh, over well, governance. It was over banned in the Olympics, Times. So yeah. Well, it's just <laughs> it, it's. It, I mean, it's in no way either medical or logically based. It's purely and simply utter bureaucratic horseshit, and I'm done with it. Explain <laughs> explain this to me. How how is it safe? Sorry, how is it unsafe for four or even two players to go and have a game of golf on a golf course 150 metres apart? But we can turn that course into a park, allow 200 people on it, and now it's apparently bloody safe. Well, well you, you, you anyway, let's all go for a swing. Well, hey, you've never, you've never seen a flying golf ball. That's deadly. Absolutely deadly. You can't. Not at full well, space. Shooter, I did speak a little bit about this last week. Yeah, but I wasn't listening and I'm really angry this week about it. (laughs) But but I think there's only one of us that can be really, really, really angry about it because it actually is occurring in their backyard. Anyway, how are you, Dave? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going going quite well. I'm neither playing golf at the Northgate Golf Club or taking my dog for a walk there because that would be disrespectful to watch my dog hang a turd on the fourth green. Um, A turd on the third. Just quickly, Dave, I need to be – up to speed here. Are the greens or any part of the course cordoned off? Well, this is no, this is why my understanding, and this is uh, to your point, Shooter, about them being let on. I- I'm not quite sure they're being let on because I'm pretty sure from what I've read, they're cutting holes in fences and getting themselves in there and taking over the joint. So right. I've actually had some friends contact me saying they've never been in such a, a more lovely garden space. <laughs> and why, why is this restricted to just golfers? Why can't they just let it open? Golfers ruining, ruining everything. Oh. And, and- and 
<laughs> I just I had to point out to them that maintaining garden space requires a level of income from somewhere. <laughs> and the fact that people pay to play golf is the reason why the grass is cut oh. and the, the place is looked after. And and second to that, the, the they're under this illusion that if the council decided to stop golf being played there, that they wouldn't just then subdivide that whole land up and sell it off to developers uh, for um, a ridiculous amount of property building. Like, so, Like anything, uh, it, it, it amazes me when people are armed with either none or a small amount of information. They draw conclusions from it. And my one of my best mates always had a saying, it's uh, probably a little bit more complicated than that. And it, it, it just filters through everything in life. Just this illusion that you can cut a hole in a fence and walk into a golf course and go, well, this is lovely. How come How come we can't just all enjoy it? Or that it just exists and, and there's no thought to how it actually got mm. to be as nice as it is. I wonder, the, whole point of, the whole point of not having any thinking seems to be the problem around mm. this whole bloody COVID thing. Anyway. I want and what medical knowledge do we have to support that COVID-19 can't live on knuckles but runs rampant on palms? So mm. fist pumping, yeah, A-OK. But handshakes and hard. So that'll kill grandma. I, mean- I, I once cut a hole in uh, the fence at uh, Area 51, walked in there. Wonderful views. Beautiful place. Um, <laughs> got, got escorted pretty quick, but uh, beautiful place. I can't believe they just don't, don't open it up over there. But I think what they've discovered at Northcote, and to be fair, is they've discovered uh, something about the history of golf, as I've discussed and we've discussed many a time, is the old course at St Andrews and one of the most magnificent things about the inclusivity mm. of the greatest golf course in the history of golf is golf is banned on a Sunday uh, and therefore it becomes Parkland. It becomes a place for picnics and kicking the soccer ball and but mm. they don't go on the tees, they don't go on the greens and they don't go in the bunkers because they have something called respect. Yeah. So potentially <laughs> one of the issues, we've got people at Northcote is that if you knew how to actually behave at the best of times, as sadly us rogue golfers who are all governed by rules and therefore obey them, if you knew that, we could actually take the fences down and just say, stay the bloody hell off the golf course and we'll give it to you one day a week. But also, Mm. like, in in this really, you know, I guess it could lead into my hate. I've actually thought of my hate too, boys, so I'm, I'm back. This is a double hate. But the double hate is that people don't work together. And, they, they, and, and this country is amazing in golf how that doesn't happen. They don't work together. There could be an opportunity here to, to have a bit of both. Parkland, you know, people coming into the, to a golf course that usually would have bugger all members on it anyway, right? Having moonlight cinema nights, having like, you know, uh, picnic in the park days um, like they do at the zoo. There's opportunities here to, to you know, cross-pollinate or, or at least use the space as well mm-hmm. as have it golf. It's not just one mm-hmm. way here. And and golf mm. courses would hugely benefit from it, hugely. Yeah. But I think we're all missing the point. The point is, <laughs> is that, oh, no, you can't play golf. But yeah, here, uh, come and sure. sit and sing Kumbaya holding hands and swaying side to side because <laughs> yeah. we will not be moved. Spare me for um, absolute man. knobs making their <laughs> well, the, the way Dave's is going, he's going in there with a crowbar and he'll just take the- it. <laughs> it's embarrassing how inept this public policy making is. It's, it's a joke. I'm, I'm sick of it. I've- I can't handle it anymore. I need right, some well, love. I, I well, I like, no, no, what? wait. Give me, give me my hate because I, I actually oh, remembered it. I'm sorry, but I'll, I'll have to interject here for two seconds. And it's got nothing to do with golf, which you'll all love. <laughs> LeBron James, right, is polarizing people. <laughs> you, you hate him. Ooh, okay. No. There you go. Hot off the press. Moving on to our Kipper loves. hates <laughs> LeBron James. <laughs> it just drives me insane that someone that is generally a, a pretty damn good person in all respects to his, you know, stuff he does with charity and kids and all the rest of it. And, and, but people just love to hate. 
don't they? And that's what brings me to this segment. I saw it on, on the, um, I was watching a little bit of the basketball again and he walked off, didn't shake hands after going through and had a bit of a barney and all the rest of it. And they just went Ken Bruce over it. And that is <laughs> the same as so many, I guess, golfers over the journey. They d- love to hate them, right? Tiger went through it. Uh, and then if you come out the other side, it's almost like the world wraps their arms around you again and says, oh, he's a bloody good bloke, like Jordan now. Everyone's wrapping their arms around Jordan going, he's a bloody good bloke. But no one talks about his infidelity and all the shit that he did you know, earlier than that. So it's, it's, it's amazing <laughs> to me how you can – malign someone and hate them and that's that's where this comes in and but then wrap your arms around them at the end at the same time d's if you're going to be and i'm just playing, playing devil's advocate here but if you're going to jump on the other if you're going to play politics or bring politics into sport people are going to have opinions about your politics that's just the oh, reality so i'm a big advocate for for not taking our politics from sportsmen sportsmen and women that's what we celebrate within the uh, mm. not saying they shouldn't have opinions go for it absolutely everyone everyone's allowed to have an opinion but celebrate by all means celebrate um how good they are at sport you don't have to agree with their politics it's the same thing i mean it's a tricky one even when you get in, into the music world can you or, or into mm. the art world can you respect i suppose it's a bigger question can you respect the art but not the artist it's a really tricky tricky conundrum for a lot of people Okay, I'm a simpleton. Here, I'll tell you where I'm stuck. See, I've gone love, hate, love, and Kip has gone hate, love, hate. I mean, he hates who love to hate, hmm. and I love to hate to love. And that, that's kind of I, – I just can't move on from that without going too deep. <laughs> and so the Tenuous Links Philosophy podcast is going to be launched in the next few weeks um, <laughs> once we've got uh, some clothes like and, Plato and, uh, and some nice flowing robes. But let's bring it back. Onto Dab, things Dab that the reason people are ringing. He's got to chime in. Go down. Just, just, just to stop four people talking at once, I might put my hand up. And uh, but, but just to, uh, just to keep his point, I think that you know, politics aside, I think as sports fans, we do love to create a villain out of nothing. Mm. And then you know, it's almost like the, the only thing we love more than a villain is is like a redemption story. Is mm. like a is, is the person we've hated, and then all of a sudden they do something like like the Nick Kyrgios situation at the moment is a good example where we we hate him so much until. Something happens more recently where he throws a few tweets out that we happen to like. He does a couple of things, and all of a sudden he's the he's the greatest larrikin that ever played the game. Yeah. He's back he in flavour. It, it is fickle. It is fickle. A uh, uh, shooter. We've managed to uh, deliver you basketball and tennis. <laughs> yeah, we got it out of the way early. Seriously, I've got angst if you don't. But I've already done my hate, so instead I'm going to get us into some love, Phil. And I love when one or even possibly two of us is proven right. And that happened over the weekend with the great up-and-coming Aussie Lucas Herbert, Phil. We talked- Oh, yeah. We did talk last week a little bit about uh, Herbie and his great will to fight, you know, to grind, which we saw in spades at the Scottish Open uh, over the weekend. Where, oh, where, did he, where did he finish? T3, T4, something like that? Okay. Uh, he was actually – well, he was leading during the last round. He was le- yeah, he was leading into yeah. the th- – yeah, he was too. So, But he shot 65 in that final round after having a bit of a battle in the third Um and if you saw the weather, I think it was in the second. Might have been round third day round. two. Was it mm. third? It was yeah. hammering down, and he was his grinding was just it was so Aussie. It was very it was AB and Steve Waugh kind of grit. I, I loved it. There you go. There's the cricket. There's the cricket. <laughs> Let's see how many sports we can get into this the late the Hewitt. You know, he, he'd fight no matter what. It was it's it's brilliant. I think he's um he's going to get a, a really big fan base growing daily. I, I love his attitude. It's a lot like Robbie Perella. 
Robbie Good. Perel Lone is the Lone Balls. <laughs> exactly. That's another sport. <laughs> so so Kipper, Kipper did call out that, and we did speak about and it was probably a little bit harsh when we were talking about the rankings of the Australian players compared to the US in the last podcast. But the reality is, is Lucas Herbert is a star on the rise and Cam Davis, who we also called out, and Min Woo Lee. I mean, Min, mm. Min Woo Lee, what, tied 30th, but not too bad. But Lucas Herbert just does not quit. And even Cam Davis, if I you if you look and watch the um, Sanderson Farms Championship, Cam Davis, the last few holes, I mean, he he really just knuckled down and said, no, no, I'm, I'm just not going to go away. Ended up being tied sixth on a US Tour event with a really good field. I mean, it's it's, it's just mildly mm. impressive. I, I like it. it. The fight in the dog. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So that was a good love by me. Has anyone else got something to bring the room up? Yep, I got a love. <laughs> just got to look in my phone to find out what it was. Here we go. I love how weird things are starting to be talked about on the world circuit via men and women, the way they play, but different things they're doing. You know, the big one, Matt Wolf at the US Open, you know, what people uh, determined was a weird swing. Sergio, obviously, this week was wonderful to see, putting everything with his eyes shut. I just love how we're getting further and further and ultimately we will get right away from what we think is, let's call it a cookie-cutter great golf swing and, and learn that really there's only a few rules here and it's some fundamentals. And I just love that weird actions are coming to the fore. Can I ask a question? I I love this topic. I love this topic. This is a, this is a top topic for me. It is but- going to be a top topic, Dan. <laughs> should should my- I be quiet then? <laughs> so so should I should I should I reserve? No, my, go with it. Go comments? with it now. I'll well- cut you off. I always do. <laughs> my question is that if it's advisable to just swing your natural swing and not worry too much about the, you know the 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 fine detail and the technical aspects, what if you suck? <laughs> Yep, <laughs> and so and so the the only way that I can conceptualize improving as a golfer is is to just assume that I'm doing it wrong, and learn how to do it right. That, like if 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 you don't give me that, I just don't feel like yep. I'll ever get better. And and this is the, the honestly the mate the conundrum that keeps me in a job right, and and it's sad right, <laughs> but there isn't one way to swing a golf club. If there was, there'd be a hell of a lot more people enjoying a hell of a lot better golf, right? It's the fact that we all get convoluted in our messaging, we get different advice, and all of a sudden, we actually don't know what's right for us. And the whole journey in this Mm. game is actually to find out what's right for you. Own your own swing. Now, when I was younger, right, when I was sort of 18, 19 and and was trying to build a golf swing, I, I had no idea, honestly, no idea what counted. I just wanted to look beautiful. So I built a beautiful golf swing. Did it work? Fuck no, right? Didn't work at all. But <laughs> I ended up getting to a point where I understood what worked and then I started to chase that down. And it's, it's amazing how, I guess, you know, there's an old saying, you know, you can't put, um, what's it? Old Ed on young shoulders, whatever it is. But that, that's saying. <laughs> great saying. The, 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 the great saying. Point, <laughs> point is, you, you don't know what you don't know, right? And and that's the same with a person's journey in this game. They don't spend tens of thousands of hours practicing to find out what that is. So all you can do, Dave, is actually go through a, a you know a set of fundamentals and learn the game that way. Unless you're gifted and have certain things right. And these, some of these great players, unfortunately, have things gifted to them, not the whole swing, but certain fundamentals that are right, and they just get better. And I appreciate your feedback, and all, the only thing I'm now missing is swing speed. But there was a guy called um, <laughs> Bruce Lee, and this really summarises things up. And you want to quote that potentially was a quote, but I'm sure it was a quote because I think I read it on an amulet that he always had around his neck. There is no way but way, and there is no limitation but limitation. Mm. That is that is the reality. There is no way redundant. but way. 
Hmm. <laughs> From a golfing point of view, that is the, the point. You find what works and that is the way. There is no way but the way that works. You have to be working within a framework, though, to some degree. hundred yeah, percent. I, I can tell within – it's taken me you know, nearly 30 years, but I can t- tell within one to two swings whether a person's got any chance to get down to low single figures without doing ex- extraordinarily hard work. It, it, let me ask you this question. Is there someone on tour or someone that you've ever come across that was doing everything wrong and still just it was a phenomenal golfer and you thought they are a bad influence on people? No. <laughs> Okay. No. Macklemore. No, and, and, and there's <laughs> been some weird swings that have done that. And I, yeah. and, and I actually coached a guy that had a, had a funky-ass swing but then worked on some, some let's call it core, core fundamentals and actually mm. ended up becoming a decent player in Asia. But it, it still didn't look great, right? but, but mm. it fundamentally was, was right. So, yeah, unfortunately, no. There's just a few things that matter and the rest is, is really fluff and your own okay. personality. Outstanding, boys. Phil? I know you've got a game changer this week that you think is going to change the game forever. Enlighten um, us, mate. Come on. What have we got? So every week I nominate that this one is worse than the last one. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so thus far you've att- been pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> and an attempt, yes, to continue to deliver or not, as the case may be. It was just a, a thought about catering. We talk a lot about food and Bev being an important part of the golf journey. And I got taunted by another ex-friend, now associate of mine, who may or may not be lucky enough to be playing Tara Eti in New Zealand, one of the one of the golf courses that they are saying will will skyrocket to the top 10 in the world if it's not there already, Tom Doak design in New Zealand. I saw an image, and I might have taken an idea and run with it, but I saw an image of what is an old silver bullet caravan that looks deceptively like a food truck parked <laughs> in the middle of Tara Eti, where you can stop and get absolutely fantastic finger food and fantastic food as you go around because you never go back near the clubhouse. Sure it wasn't a UFO storm chaser? That actually doubles as a UFO storm chaser, (laughs) which was my second game changer. But now that you've stolen that, Kipper, thanks for that. But the idea of it might only be four times a year, again, on a golf course, bring in food vans and let's create this Northcote public golf course idea of bringing golf back to the people. But bring in food vans, scatter them around the golf course, whereby I'm walking down the sixth fairway and – Actually, you know what? I do feel like a taco or, you know, there's a suvlaki, but it's all small finger food, handheld. But food vans and actually encourage local custom and encourage more of that community feel and a connectedness. And one of the vans or two of the vans or six or seven could be bartenders, you know, that, that make different cocktails. And yep. Come on. I can, Absolutely love I can, it. I always could do with three or four uh, sushi rolls at the end of nine. So that's this is good. I like where you're going with this, Phil. But it's also, too, a, a, a big thing, I think, in courses where you know you're going to I guess get the traffic. Like, there's a lot of courses in America that are cart-based courses that churn out the um, the people during the summer period or the winter period, depending on which um, state they're in. And they do cater not not the food vans, but they set up you know let's call it tuck shops all the way around. There's like four of them, you know, one, six, you know, twelve and eighteen thereabouts with their the way they actually cater for people, plus the roaming food food van and, and beer cart. And it's just, it's honestly magnificent. I do understand there's a cost to that and all the rest of it. But when you know you've got a field set, and we're going to enter this now in the next year and a half in this country where we've got so many people playing golf, it's going to be a, a wonderful opportunity to maximize, maximize some sales out on the course. No, I mean, and just gift it, and gift it back, and they might be burgers. It actually doesn't matter, but gift gift it back to some local businesses yeah. who can get out there with their food van, promote the local business. But also, it, it just creates a, a very different feel, and it might just be in a charity day. But I think, in really, the idea was stolen by Robert Ellenby charity day that we played 
last year at Peninsula, whereby we rocked up to one of the tees and Dave Rogers, who was the CEO of Challenge, was there cooking some yidos. And just that idea of having a yidos on a golf course, what genius. So just do a few more of them. And you know what could go well with a yidos film? <laughs> Today's golf tipple would be magnificent. <laughs> so it's that time. It's my favourite time of the show. I, love I don't it. know why. It just happens to be my favourite time. And I've got one for you today, boys. It's um, I mean, these club-specific club drinks have become a real thing for us. We've talked about it a lot, Phil, on, for, for a long time. And we think every club should have a club-specific drink. And there's too many that are lacking in it. So, so we're going to, or should I say, we're going to help make this a nice. real thing. And uh, we're starting with one that's close to our hearts. This one is dedicated to the new Tom Doak, or fairly new Tom Doak designed Gunnamatta course down at the National, and uh, we've called it, wait for it, the Gunner. It's the Gunner, boys. <laughs> <laughs> it's outstanding. It's really, it's, it's fairly simple. I thought mate. you were just going to go with Uzo after the Euros re- uh, mention. <laughs> <laughs> I could, but uh, no, the Gunner matter. So you start with uh, 30 mil of gin. I've gone with the 708 gin. Now, 30 mils, boys, is optional. I've gone personally between 40 and 50, but that's just me. Um, 170-odd mils of uh, ginger beer, the same of ginger ale, 30 mils of freshly squeezed lime, and you can substitute that for lime cordial if you're a savage, and then just a couple (laughs) of dashes of bitters, and there you are, lads. Uh, Here's one I prepared earlier, if you can see it, and down the hatch. You know what you need to be doing is you need to be um, sending this to us via courier before these things so we can sample it with you. <laughs> blame, blame COVID. What's wrong with well, you? Well, my idea for that would be, in terms of a name, is not be so specific about the quantities and call it the gunner matter doesn't matter. There you go. Oh, I like Throw it. Hey, hey, just can. chuck it all in. <laughs> and this will be the last time you'll be hearing from Dave for the next couple of hours. <laughs> Because we need to be responsible. It's after a round. You want to be able to drive, even if you couldn't for the previous 18 holes, boom, boom. But it's going to make you feel magnificent after a round, boys. It's refreshing. It's, it's actually really good. A bit of gin, you know, the ginger is obviously lovely, but the, the, the bitters brings – it contrasts the uh, the sweetness of the of the ginger beer and ale. And, so. and when we have our uh, inaugural Golf Baron's Golf Day, uh, we'll have to have one of these on each tee. The Galamata, the the um, what's it, what was the Jeff one called again? The wing, uh, down at Jeff, down at Jeff, no down at um, Jeff, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just every hole's got the uh, the name drink. I can't wait. But we will uh, we will have the golf tipple, or we'll put it on social media with a recipe. We will be sending it to the national and demanding that they put this in place because courses need their own drinks that everyone, as soon as there's a guest, you bring them back. And if you want the gunner matter, not the gunner, you just save on the gin and enjoy it, savour it. And well done, Damo. I think that's a tip for us. Just quietly, though, just quietly, boys, the um, the 708 gin, it's bloody nice. That's that's Warney's, Warney's gin. I don't know if you've had it yet. Haven't had it. Uh, no, I haven't because apparently didn't, you have. Cause well, did, not only that, didn't he turn that into hand sanitizer? No, they didn't turn the gin into hand sanitizer. <laughs> they were very in, they showed some great ingenuity, as a lot of distilleries did in Australia, to actually start creating hand sanitizer at a time when we needed it. And we still need it, apparently, at Northcote Golf Course. Did he, did he turn the. <laughs> did he turn the gin into hand sanitizer or did he turn his new fragrance into hand sanitizer? <laughs> okay. But both. 
Right, that pronunciation of flagrance was, uh, was painful <laughs> for everyone. The, the, they're, they're all into China. All right, but, the gin, the- <laughs> all right, while I sit back and sip on my little gunner over here, I'm going to throw it to Philly. You're the gear man. You are all about the products. You've got a couple of crackers coming through. Let's, let's hear you wax lyrical. The main thing, and I'm not going to bang on too much about product today, yes, but one thing that was reinforced <coughs> again, Sorry. one thing that was reinforced again was how awesome it is when a player wins on the US tour or any tour around the world with a mixed golf bag where they have chosen what works best for them from driver the whole way through as opposed to doing what they're paid the most to use, they use what works the most. It's and so it was with sure. great joy, certainly based on the review that we did of the Ping blueprint iron or the, or the fact that Damo, uh, you loved it, yeah. followed by Kipper getting fitted for and loving his blueprint irons, that on the basis of those recommendations, Sergio decided to put the Ping blueprint in the bag. <laughs> and if you saw one of the great iron players of the world, but his second shot into Aideen in the last round to two and a half feet when he actually needed to birdie the last to win the, the tournament, sums up blueprint to a T. And I just love that idea. He has a he has a Vokey Proto wedge in the bag as well, a bit of a mixed bag, but it's what works best. And that's when you know that I think a player is at their peak. It's not about endorsement. This is about what works. Yeah, and I think that's actually a testament to Sergio's entire career. He's he's always stood by himself. Like he, you know, he got nicknamed uh, El Nino and he canned that in every media possible outlet he could because he just didn't like to be known as like, you know, he, he didn't want this fabricated thing. He just wanted to be known as Sergio. And he, he, he took that from, from a Sevy thing. He goes, I just want to be Sergio. Right? And so that's filtered down through all of his product choices through history. He's never done it for the sake of doing it. He does it because it works. Did they call uh, him El Nino because of its influence on drought or? Yeah, <laughs> storm. They, they're, they're trying <laughs> to conjure up a storm for him and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, he didn't like it. <laughs> um, but it just shows that the fact that yes, they're they're all highly skilled. But just the idea of someone working through the bag, and we you know we speak a lot about Kepka, we spoke a lot about Tommy Fleetwood, the number of players growing and growing that are using whatever they want to because that is what works best for them. And what we're finding more and more interesting with the blueprint is the blueprint irons and the ping irons and Mizuno irons are getting hand picked to be the iron of choice mm. for players who are allowed to choose whatever they want. And it's mildly impressive. Mm. So that's really, I mean, that was gear, it was as simple as that from a gear effect point of view. And there's a lot of new stuff. So next week we'll go through a few of the other new things. But it, was just, it just struck me the fact that an iron player and a great iron player, you want an endorsement for a good iron. And can, and can I add something to the blueprint thing while, while you're on that? Because um, I play them and uh, obviously I'm a ping boy, so people think this is sugar-coated. But I've played every blade under the sun since I was basically 17 years of age i've never hit a softer blade in my life and that's the honest truth and the head design of it now they've gone smaller and they're you know taping into the i guess the normal standardized blade kind of look it's exquisite and if you can get your hands on one hit it make your make your mind up for yourself but i, I gotta be honest I, I i don't think there's been a softer blade that i've ever hit well there's an endorsement for you now boys i'm going to move into some golf dreaming because well let's be honest we're all trapped at home and we would love to get out and i'm going to throw to one this i'm waiting for phil to ding this one cathedral lodge that's just crap why what is it's not what well i've I've never i mean you know this is annoying like this is quite deliberately annoying (laughs) so none of us have played neffin and district so i went with that because none of us had played there none of us 
So therefore, it doesn't matter. So here's a photo of it. Everyone, enjoy it. Oh, no, no. Here's one that I've played that you – anyway, whatever. I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> going to say that I played it, Phil. I was just going to talk about it. But now Hurry that you up. mention it. Exquisitely yeah, so, about the first, the second, so, the third. So the <laughs> cathedral, I'd say anyway, it's <laughs> – you've thrown me. Up near Alexandra in northeast Victoria. It's a it's quite a remote God's little country. area. Uh, Thornton. And it's – it's about 130 k's uh, northeast of Melbourne, and this place, yeah, is ultra exclusive. <laughs> Damien, think, think Elliston. <laughs> Damien, Phil's walked off. Oh uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's like it's the new Elliston in the, and it it is in in many ways mm-hmm. actually. It was um, inspired by a little bit. It's the dream of of Essendon Football Club or former Essendon Football Club chairman David Evans, who he visited Augusta National back in '97 or late '90s, you know, and he wanted he wanted to build a golf haven to rival the best courses like Augusta. So he met with Norman and in 2012 the dream started to become a bit of a reality and and then in 2017 it had it has absolutely become it had absolutely become a reality and this club oh this course Phil you you're going to love it it's actually not that difficult which I love. I love that it's not difficult. Yeah, you would and wide? Well, it depends. Width seems to be quite a um <laughs> Quite a uh, no. I'll leave that one. Uh, the members and <laughs> members and, and only members and invited guests allowed at this thing, and it's pretty pretty exy to be a part of it. Fifty, I think it's it was initially fifty grand up front and and then ten ten thousand bucks a year membership. But what makes this thing such a cool experience? It's not the exclusivity; it's the golf, and it's designed by Greg Norman. This thing is quintessentially Australian. You know you're in Australia. There's some really interesting blends around it. I mean, he was able to, you know, some holes are sort of, well, it's, it's like tree-lined country and tropical on some. It's really weird to explain how he's blended those together, but it, it just bloody works. So Cathedral Lodge boys, we're going to we're gonna work at getting, getting up there for a, uh, for possibly a dreaming or even just a hit. Uh, and we'll we'll head there via helicopter because I know Phil <laughs> is shit scared of them. So let's do that. I'm always so. I'm, I'm more concerned. How did you get? Maybe this is a story for another time. But how, like you, like of all that's, people, that's hurtful. Yeah, uh, quite deliberately. Yeah. Well, you know, some of some of us, uh, some of us media elite, yeah. Phil, are able to do these things. <laughs> Whatever. I'm, I'm sick of that. Anyway, what I do have you took though, photos of someone that built the course. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. What I do have, I've got an apology. And I need to apologise, apparently, to Uncle Mick. So last week, we spoke about Neffenden District because I thought that it looked a pretty good joint that Uncle Mick said was a pretty good place. And then, as is my want, I absolutely butcherised the pronunciations. <laughs> so Isn't let us all be- let us all, yeah, thanks, Kipper. That was the gag. So let, let us all. He's got it. He's got it. <laughs> Ding. Let us all understand this right now. It is Neffen and it is District. So I got those two rolled well done, Phil. I did refer to the Thai cock in. Bless you. And I was corrected on both fronts. So apparently Thai is T, as in golf T. So T. And apparently cock is not cock because that is a little bit uh, overt. It's as in loch is, I've been informed. So it's the T cock. I'm assuming in, Mick. I'm assuming it's okay to call it an in, Mick. Anyway, there you go, Mick. You got your apology? Wow, that was a, that was a drawn-out apology. Let's just move straight into some top topics tonight, boys. We, let's get Mick's into some of the deeper stuff. Of- into the deeper stuff. Now, I've, I'm going to kick things off. Is there a golf course or a golf hole or even, even a type of shot, even or maybe even a playing partner, that's your nemesis in golf? What's your golfing nemesis? Dev? What do you hate? What shot do you hate more than ever and fear? <laughs> this is going to 
prove my quality. I I cannot hit an iron off the tee to save my life. I don't know why. I, I feel like my iron, my 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 iron on when, when I hit an iron on a fairway, I'm reasonably confident that it'll it'll go. But when, as soon as you put me on a tee on a on a on a par three, you hand me an iron. I, I just cannot do it. Yeah, I'm with I you. Just Dad. Cannot There's do no it. No point. There's no point in it. You don't need it. I'm not. A, I don't <laughs> need tees. <laughs> Well, there's actually some truth to that. Most people tee the ball up a little bit, just a little bit, and it hits the high part of the face of the grooves and goes nowhere. Exactly. That's why. So it mightn't be your fault, Dad. So <laughs> should I? So I just, I just should just throw it on the ground. And, you got two. And you got two choices. Blame right? physics. Yeah. It, it, well, it basically, is you got two choices: either tee it up, whatever height you want, either a tiny mm. bit or a lot, or it doesn't really matter. Mm. But put the ball further forward, sweep it, and hardly take turf, or put the ball on ground height and compress it against the turf, which will squeeze it into your face and then give you the ricochet. You can have you no people, idea what he's talking about there, do you? Can you people please <laughs> I don't know about the, the customer? I don't know about the, the compression and the pushing into the squeezing. face thing. You've got to squeeze uh, it back. <laughs> Is there any – can we just understand the issue a little bit more? Dev, are you saying you have an issue hitting an iron off a tee yes. or hitting an iron off a tee? Can you explain which one it is? Because they've gone and taken off and given you a solution to a problem that might not exist. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, I mean, I have I have more recently started hitting off the ground at the tee. Yeah, off the tee. So an iron off, an iron off the tee yeah. on the ground. Yeah, but it, but when I do place it on a tee on the tee on the tee, it's invariably, uh, and that's the correct usage of the word invariably because it's never gone well. Is is a disaster? Is a disaster? So I'm I'm not going to hit a driver from there, am I? So you know I've got I've got to work something out. So I would. Well, actually leads into a, a question from the gallery we had that I only got asked today via email, Swagger at golfparents.com, which was the story was about a young lady who hits her driver about 120 meters, so about 20 meters further than me, and so it was a par three, 130 meter par three. So she's teed up with driver because that's logical. Big, you know. Oh, all right. Hang on. I hit it one. 20, it's 130. Yeah, this should work out quite well. Only to be informed by some other sticky nose, mm, you know, uh, a sticky beak. Oh, no, you never hit driver off a tee on a par three. Oh, God. What? What's wrong with people? Well, they, 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 they clearly haven't seen me down at Barn Burgle on a windy day. There's <laughs> about two or three par threes down there where I peg driver. Look, seriously, go and play golf somewhere else that isn't up your uh, Ellie, <laughs> the, to surely you just hit what's required. And to Dev, your point: don't hit iron off the tee. Hit iron off the tee. Yeah, but 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 it's 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 a it's a problem for both tees. And and, and I don't really have another option. There isn't another club that I can really use. I'm not going to hit a hybrid. I'm not going to hit a wood. I don't know whether it's the elevation of the of the landing, shall we call it? I just don't know. But certainly hitting it off a tee, as in. The thing that holds wow. the ball is is. <laughs> if you're worried about how you're landing, Dave, I reckon you get too much air when you swing it. Equally problematic. I've got a tick for almost everything you mentioned, Damo. I mean, I've got shots and holes and courses and playing partners and the whole damn thing. <laughs> I've got a few that well. I can't cope with. So maybe I best that I go last, so that everyone's yeah. got a chance to settle in and get the dunas out. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you that. So Commonwealth Golf Club, one of the great golf clubs of Australia, cracking club, love it. Cannot play well there. Impossible. Like, I, I'm just banned. As soon as I've I walk in- I've witnessed you play poorly there. Yeah, so thank you. Tick. With your no. new, with your newfound length, you'll love it, Philip. 
Yeah, no, I'm not sure it's going to make any difference because I'm really not sure <laughs> this is going to happen because I'm not sure we're ever going to be allowed to play golf again, so it doesn't really matter. From a whole point of view, from a whole point of view, and this is showing off, the National Old Course ninth, easy, gentle par four, slightly mm. up the hill. I'm always playing three off the tee and everyone knows it. And so when I get to the ninth <laughs> tee, people bolt to the right trees because they know that I'm likely to hit a, a reasonable golf ball in there and then they just catch it and put it in their bags and then, then move on. I can't, it, I, <laughs> nemesis, my life is nemesi. <laughs> Sisters. I love it. <laughs> my main nemesis in terms of shot shape is a strong dog leg or a dog leg right to left. I can't hit that that roping draw. I can't do it, and it, it drives no, you me can't. mad. So that's my that's my shot that I hate. But and when you hit the block cut, you're a long yeah. way from the, and the green. Thing is, don't I? And the thing is, whenever that's hit, and whenever I try to to hit it, I'll go the op, I'll actually go the other way. So it drives me mad. But my nemesis here's one here's one for you, Philly playing partners. I don't think I've ever played well. In fact, I'm you. I reckon I'm your playing partner nemesis yeah. as well. I didn't want to mention. We've been playing for years together. And we've never played. We could both be in great form leading into it. Had you know great golf playing, playing well, good golf playing with mates. And then we'll come and play together and just have mares. We'll be partnered up in an Ambrose, and we'll just we're hopeless. We are hopeless. You're my nemesis, Phil. You're my nemesis. Finally, I've achieved something. I'm going to tell the kids, <laughs> put it on my resume. But Kipper uh, and vice versa. But Kipper, from from your point point of view personally, or even from your cutting days. Was there a shot that one of your guys had, and it might have been around Augusta or anywhere else, or even a shot that you, that you just knew? They knew before they hit it, they didn't have that mm. shot, and you I could just tell? Yeah, I got, I got a really good story on this one, and it was before I caddied for the man, which was Allenby. I was caddying for Bads at the time. Second Australian Open win at what do you call Kingston Heath. We get on the famous 11th, which is after the short you know, tiny tenth there when they play the play it the way they play it. It's it's kind of a weird hole because you've got to either hit a bomb cut with the driver and take on the tee tree on the on the left and make sure you, you cut it enough. If you cut it too much, you're done. Or you hit it just a smooth iron, maybe even a four iron off the tee, but you've got like a, a six iron into the hole. So it's a really risk reward hole. And we get on that hole, and I knew Bads had the shots. He could, he could move it at that point in his career either way with absolute ease. So he gets up there, and it was pretty tight at that point. It was the final round playing with, with Rob and uh, obviously everything, everything on the line, and it was pretty tight up until that point. And I walked on the – and we were up first. I walked on the middle of the tee, put my bag down. Bads comes across, and he's like, what are you thinking? And I'm like, blow driver over that corner. I just I, I just couldn't get it out quick enough because I knew Rob was a drawer of the golf ball and was going to struggle with that shot. Right? I just I just knew that that was a shot he, he could hit it if he absolutely, you know, everything went right, but it was a real worry. And if he didn't hit it properly, he was taking double because as soon as you put one in the tea tree on the left, you're done. So I couldn't get it out quick enough and Bads is like, I like it, right? Grabs, rips the head off his driver, sets up and just hits this slot power fade around the corner and he's got like wedge in. We walked to the side of the tee and, and I, I honestly was just beaming because I'm like, right, this is game on here because it was such a touch and go moment. Rob walks on there and he, and he just knew it was on the line and takes iron, right? Takes iron, hits a fairway, but sort of overdraws it. Now he's got a long club in, like a six iron in. We've got wedge, so we're way up the fairway. Blows it over the back. And long story short, takes double. Bads hits it to four feet. And I think he made birdie or par either way, but it was a three or two shot swing on the hole. And it was one of those moments where 
Although it wasn't match play, it kind of was because you knew one guy had it and one guy didn't with that particular shot. Now, fast forward that years to come, Rob could definitely hit a fade because I got to learn that about him. I didn't, I didn't know that he could hit a fade. He was a very, very good drawer of the golf ball, but could hit a fade, but he just you know, wasn't his go-to. So therefore, in answer to your question, that stood out to me as one of the great moments where it almost the round almost come down to one shot and that, and that was it. And I think you can sense that too. Like some guys standing over the ball, you just get a sense of this is just not suited to them. And Sergio spoke mm. about that at Augusta, didn't he? Is that the course is just not suited to the way – and he can move the ball both ways. But for whatever reason, he just convinced himself that his game wasn't suited to Augusta mm. until he realised that it was when he won. And then all of a sudden his game is suited to Augusta <laughs> until he missed the cut. And then it's not suited so well. So <laughs> at a, least his definitive his win was, though, Phil. It wasn't suited and he still got there. I know. That's that's battling the odds. I do have a, a question, though, that I need to explore. Eyes closed putting. Now, I've had some putting issues in my time and I've tried this and I've tried it. I remember playing at the Trobe and I managed to have 51 putts in, in a round of golf. And at one stage, I remember on the 12th green at the Trobe, a little par three, I missed a one-foot putt by two feet. And the guy I was playing with said, no, you're just taking the piss, mate. There's no point giving up. Like he was really quite shitty. And I said, I'm, I can tell you, I'm doing anything but giving up. I think I'd hit probably seven or eight of the greens at that stage. Like we hits the, I was hitting the ball really, but I no idea. I mean, this thing was flinging around the joint. And I remember <laughs> trying to work out other ways of gripping the club or otherwise. And putting with your eyes shut is a fascinating thing. And for anyone who hasn't seen the footage, Sergio literally closes his eyes until impact, <laughs> and then opens them and see what. Happens. What? What? <laughs> I, I've got so much to add here, but I, I think I should go last. Go. Well, I'm going to kick it on and say, what? Why? Is this? Is this all the um, mind's eye visualization stuff that we talk about? But why try and imagine seeing something in front of you when the the reality, the the very bloody thing you're trying to do, can be realised right there just by opening your freaking eyes? Well, does he? Does, does he? Does he? Does he? Does he look at it and then close his eyes just before backswing? Yeah, is that, yes. is that the, that's the procedure. So, yes. yeah, I, I can't add anything more than that. I just wanted to clarify. Right. So, <laughs> but so, would you so, do it in tennis? I suppose that the so idea so is- No, but tennis is a moving target. So you, you, you would do it like, you know, there's the famous footage of Michael Jordan shooting free yep. throws. Yeah, but that was to close. taunt the Kemby. Yeah, I know, but he could do it. He could do it because once your feet are planted, the target doesn't move, you know where it is, you know the action, you can close your eyes. He would have made that shot nine times out of ten and he's a- an 80% free throw shooter with his eyes open. <laughs> so he actually would have improved. Dave, Dave, the distance with a free throw is the um, same every time, Standard. though, isn't it? Yeah. Close yeah, environment, distance. yeah. Yes. So, yeah. So but, a putt, but you a would, putt is different on every A putt is putt. different. Yeah, but you but you still – you've putted enough to know how how hard – you're not looking at the at the hole when you're swinging a golf club. Well, you should putt, be if you're talking well, to Jordan Spieth does. Well, you're no, trying – but, no, you know, you're, no. you're looking at the point of contact. You want to so, look at the so, thing that you're trying to hit. Right, so you know the distance. So you, you that, that's that's the feel side of it, right? So I will now have a go. Right, <laughs> is that? Do you remember the the basketball shoot we did? Golf We had the entrance point putting, right? We had to look, and you had to change your arc for different paces, and you and you you know get it in the in the hole, right? The way the brain perceives distance and space, you need two things really in in general terms. And I'll make it really simple. If you've got a trash can in the corner of the room, and you've had a beer or whatever, or and a bit of rubbish, and you want to get it in the trash can, what's the first thing you do, right? You look at the trash can. Second thing you do is you normally go back and forward with your, your can and your arm, but you don't look at your can ever, right? You just look at the trash can, and then you release. So you, 
purely focused on target, right? And your eyes only see target, right? So a lot of putters have had great, I suppose, results in looking at the target and not even looking at the the putter, but hitting balls, right? We see Spieth do that, you know, in his height, time after time under under ten feet. He never looked at the um, the ball ever. The flip side of that is, if you've taken stock of your general target and then you look back at your ball. There is absolutely no point in having your eyes open, and I can tell you this uncategorically, because all that having your eyes open does for most people, and this is most, is actually lets you look at the, the, the blade of your putter and how dodgily you take it back. Everyone should shut their eyes. Right, because all that they're left with is the impression. And Tiger always talks about putting to a pitcher. All you're left with is putting to a pitcher. Right. So as soon as you drag your eyes back, shut your eyes, and go, what do you see? You see what you've just saw. Right, and that's it. I'll miss you the don't ball. See, you know you want to seesaw from. I will. And, and, and also, good chance I will. And, and also, to to dames further that point, yeah, you got to have a decent stroke, don't you? If you've got a dodgy stroke, you're not going to send a strike. You're going to cause your blade to open or close if you heel or toe strike, and, you, and your pace is going to be horrendous. But these guys are jets; they're the best in the world. So shutting your eyes is absolutely one of the best things you could do upon strike. So the commentators, I go and shoot it. So I was going to say, just to play off that, do you, do you advocate changing and trying all these little things in your game? Like, are, you, are you better off just doing, you know? committing to one style of putting and sticking with it and just practicing it over and over and over again? Or do you advocate trying these different things, you know, putting with it with your eyes shut, doing the little weird two-fingery, three-fingery thing that they do, you know, all, all those, the claw, the different grips, all these things. Do you, do you advocate yeah. that or is it better to find something and just get good at that? Well, there's a really good question. Again, it's probably a bit of both, but the only thing I'd say is there's only about five putting fundamentals. That's it, right? And you need those, no matter whether it's the claw, left arm low, whatever it might be, they're still under the same fundamental, which there isn't many, right? And and it's not going to bore everyone with those, but there's only a few fundamentals. And once you've got them, it doesn't matter what you do, right? So trying slight things that change your your mind's eye and your feel, like shutting your eyes, have a massive effect, massive effect, right? So, yeah. Your mate Sergio, one of the other fascinating things about Serge, who is now my mate Serge, uh, Sergio, um, Just don't call him is, is that he's also, mm. as part of this, he's also gone back to putting with a conventional grip. Mm. So he went down claw, town, reverse claw, reverse double backhanded claw, super inner outy claw, you know, combination claw outy. Uh, and he's gone back to the same putting grip that he used to have. So, so Damon, to your point, can you just work your way through it if you learn the right technique? I can tell you that that YIPS word that we can't say, like Voldemort, that they pronounce yips. Once you've got them, <laughs> you can't shake them. And I can tell you, so one of the things, I, the reasons for, as I say, for me closing my eyes when I was putting, I've tried, you know, putting one-handed. If I try and putt one-handed left-handed, I hit the ball, even now, I hit the ball okay. If I putt one-handed right-handed and my eyes are open, that thing is dancing as it approaches the ball. But if I shut my eyes, I actually, one of the things is I actually don't know where the ball is. So an air swing is often more effective than the flip-flop, which will have to often take me well off the well off the method. But the commentators were talking about Johnny Miller and they were saying that at one stage one of them asked Johnny Miller whether he'd ever putted with his eyes shut and he was recounting a story in the 1987 AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am where he was a few shots behind Payne Stewart and he yipped a putt and I don't know what the hole was, but he yipped a putt and said, bugger it. I'm good enough. I'm just going to try this because I think I might be able to. And over the next three holes, actually closed his eyes putting, made a 15-footer, 
um, having never really done it before, keep it to your point. Made a 15 footer mm-hmm. and then hold a couple of other nice length putts and end up winning the tournament. I guess my concern with closing your eyes would, would be a question of maintaining perfect balance because it's like, it's like the old, you know, standing on one leg and doing the quadricep stretch maneuver in your warm ups. The, the, the trick there is to find a point on the ground and focus on it and all of a sudden your balance is perfect. As soon as your eyes start darting, you lose balance. So I, I would I would worry about even just a minute shift in balance or movement with my eyes being closed that I would I would be well off target. Yeah. And it's a, it's a spot on point, mate, because if you look at – go back to your Jordan analogy, you know, the guy was that set in his routine, that set in his balance, that set in his posture that – you know, no matter whether his eyes were open, shut, or squinted, mm. it wasn't nothing was going to change the general posture and aesthetic of his shot, right? Mm. Whereas, and that's the same as an elite golfer that most, most of the time nothing much changes. Mm. But Joe Punner at your golf course, who's not a great putter, enormous things change. They rock into their toes and sway mm-hmm. out and sway in on the putt. So, shutting your eyes in itself wouldn't work for them any better than it would for opening them, their eyes. But because they do need to work on the technique. But as the general process goes, they'd be way better off looking at the hole, coming back and shutting their eyes and hitting it than, than, than most of the time opening their eyes. Does the same principle apply with full golf swings, Dees? It, it sort of does, but the only difference, it's really, yet, yet again, good. you've got great questions tonight, Dubs. Um, <laughs> the only difference Four is it's, it's more, of, more of an athletic movement, more balance required. Yeah. Right, so if you're a really good balanced player, i.e., elite player, mm-hmm. it won't make hardly any difference whether you open or shut your eyes. If you're Joe Punner at the range, that's hitting 120, 130, shut your eyes, and you're probably going to miss the ball every one out of three goes. So, yeah, yeah it, it makes a huge, huge difference to the to the way the circular motion works. What if they, what, what if you had them shut their eyes, spin around five times, and then hit the drive? <laughs> okay, this is just you're getting ridiculous now, Dave. You're trying to derail us again. But uh, what I was going to say, speaking of derailing us, have you seen Rogue One? Did no. you see? I mean, that talk about balance. Like he couldn't see. And he had all the balance in the world. He was whacking the heads off stormtroopers and he had no problem with athletic motion with his <laughs> eyes. Well, not that they were closed. They were kind of open and there were a couple. I'm just saying no that, idea, it, I'm just no saying that it happens. That. My kids would have loved me bringing up a bit of Star Wars action, but it happens. Mm. There we go. Do we, do we have any other uh, top topics we want to get involved I, with, I, lads? I, tell you what we do have, Shooter. I've got a number of questions from the gallery. You want to get straight into those? Let's do it. What have you got? The Phil? most popular section of After our least popular list. section list. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a few. I've got a few and I will let you know, as I is our new method, I will let you know who this refers to. Kipper, Uh-oh. last week you referred to a caddy with a nickname, Front Edge. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, now, there's some Cam, pretty cool nicknames. Ferguson. There's some, well, not, not Fergie. Uh, there's some pretty cool nicknames going around. Front Edge, Go. Well, uh, real name, Cam Ferg, Ferguson, and uh, absolute jet. Caddy for Ogilvy for years, caddy for Seve for a long time, absolute uh, gun, caddy, caddy for Allenby and his big win where he hit that three wood into the last in LA. Uh, people remember that in the pissing where rain. You, six, you got five? Six, six player pale. <laughs> <laughs> pre, pre me. Uh, anyway, he got so good at making sure his players didn't go long. Um, <laughs> that all he would give them in the end was not even a pin placing, right? He'd just give them the front edge yardage, right? So, I'd say, how far is it? He'd go, 135. 
and that was the front edge because <laughs> he knew that if they nuked it, they're okay, and if they stuffed it, they're on the front edge. So he, he figured that was the best case scenario, and and his name stuck forever and a day. <laughs> Cracking name. Uh, all right, I'm not sure anyone can answer this, but there one will be a bit that relies to keep it. Should you stick your clubs back? And, and so this is again for our newer barons who are still barons, just so that all the old time golfers aren't going, oh, well, everyone knows that. Sorry if I've just offended everyone who speaks like that. <laughs> should you stick your clubs back in your bag in a particular order? Does it matter where they go? So, Shooter or Dav, <laughs> Kip, we'll get on to you. Do you have an order or a method? I don't have an order or method, and usually by about the sixth or seventh hole, I find that every club is jammed into one corner of the bag. <laughs> so I think my method is nearest nearest to me is where the club goes. <laughs> it's gold. I have two methods, uh, depending on whether I'm walking or in a cart. If I'm, if I'm walking, then yes, I actually do have them in an order that I can get to pretty quickly. If it's in a cart, they just get thrown in because I can't work out what's what and mm. I'm more interested in the uh, gun of matter I've got in the uh, cart with me. <laughs> as, we all, as we all are. So, Kipper, do caddies all arrange clubs the same way? Oh, 100%. You get stabbed if you don't. Um, <laughs> is, that, is that a law? You get oh, stabbed. Oh, mate, you, you could be fired on the first tee if you Five didn't times. put the club back precisely <laughs> and even on the angle. And, I, and, and, and I'll go one step further and say that each bag's divided into around about six compartments, depending on what bag you have, right? Those compartments have three or so weapons in them in each. They mm. must be in order when hanging the bag off your shoulder so that each blade goes three, four, five, six of an eight, or vice versa, back in, the, back in a row. Pitching wedge, nine, nine, eight, nine, all have to be in an order. So not only do they go in the right sleeve or compartment, they have to fall in suit. Okay, this is a really important that, one. So that question makes me laugh, though, Phil, because it reminds me of our um, out on our shoot when um, where were we? Was it caddy and tearing? And I had mine back there, <laughs> and D and Kipper had an absolute conniption when he saw the state of the thing. And I'm like, oh, I've just played. I've just had a, a game. I was in a cart, and he just he was just he was filthy with me, oh. ripping them out, putting them in order. That's how it. He was so. <laughs> so you can take the boy out of caddying, but you can't take the caddy out of the boy. But there's two there's two reasons for that. And I had a giggle when Dav said like I just end, they end all, all end up in the same basically compartment because that's kind of what happens. It's done it. Or if you don't give a shit and you're playing bad, in they go and something go up. But the but the problem with that is Dav, and this is why I know you will change your ways the more you play golf, is that the angrier you get throughout the round and the more that you need your club but they will not come out of your golf bag, <laughs> worse it's going to get, right? Yeah. So, in the end, you need to be able to access that. If you can't get a golf club out because there's like eight in that hole, man, it's it's game over. You could bend every shaft in one go. <laughs> well, and normally normally I will, have, I will convince myself that I've lost a club somewhere along the way because the club I want, I just cannot seem to find in the big bunch of, of, of clubs in the one compartment. But but I, I do I, – this would be a challenge – I do wonder whether you can tell that the clubs are out of order just by the sound of the jingle the bag is making when you're carrying it. Well, his eyes are going to be closed. Yeah. All right. Uh, All right, but there is so there is a method, but it's entirely up to you. Or when in doubt, just tell people. No, no, I just played in a cart. I just jammed them in anywhere, and I just haven't had a chance to rewind. What is the method to, to <laughs> teach us? <laughs> um, what? Driver sometimes has a hole for itself, right? But usually, driver putter. Mm -hmm. Next compartment over is three wood slash two iron if you've got one or hybrid these days, and then you have four other compartments. Each has three weapons in it usually. So it'll be three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 
9, 10, 11. Uh, pitch, <laughs> and then you get into your wedges. And depending on how many gapped wedges you have, you have all those wedges in one hole. God, I, I gen- just, general. It just doesn't make sense to me putting the, the, the driver and the putter together. I mean, there's just a, too much of a well, height differential. They're, they're well, at the uh, opposite okay, ends so, of, the, of, of the hole. Okay, so there's more, there's, more me- there's, there's more method here, Dave. The reason you put driver and putter together is because if you, if you put driver next to your three wood, They'll bang three woods together. normally don't. They don't get three woods normally don't have a, a necked sleeve, so all of a sudden, if you if your putter doesn't have a head cover on it, it scrapes the shaft of your three wood, and then you get stabbed again, <laughs> or damages the face of the putter. You're blamed that for a ball that lips right. out low right instead of falling right instead in the middle, of, and then you're still fighting. So, how many mistakes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how many mistakes did you make on that first hole? Anyway, we won't go over that again. Here we go. During this is quite a long one. During COVID times, a flag must stay in the hole. But what if your ball was clearly going into the hole and then the stupid stick, and this is verbatim, made it rebound out? Can you still call it because it would have gone in, but officially you're a victim of COVID? So, <laughs> <laughs> hang on. It go, the the, the uh, person goes on to say, this is deep and personal. Also, is there a term for a ball that nearly goes in the hole, but then kind of swerves around the hole and doesn't go in? Because my playing partner and I call it a little fucker. <clears throat> <laughs> but but that doesn't sound very technical. Uh, there you go. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Go for it, Dames. No, no, you're right. You go. I was just about to say, I, I think anyone that's putting and hitting the flag, and apparently it's been statistically proven, but I, I, I think you're kidding yourself because that, that one time that you hit the middle of that flag and it ricochets out, it just has it your second you. guessing. Would, it, would have that fallen in? Oh, it kills you. I can't do it. I'm a flag out. It, on everything. If I'm oh. chipping from off the green, I'm, I'm Phil Mickelson. Pull it but out. you can't touch the- I know so you're not allowed to. take it out when I drive. This is another what? reason for my earlier rant about the dickheadery around the whole COVID rules. Anyway, let's move. <laughs> you just, so, you just, COVID- just hand sanitizers at T's. It's all you need. Seriously, we've heard need. some- I, I tell you this, we've heard some- Like, I've made some bad suggestions in my time, but the the fact of handing out disposable gloves, hand sanitizer on every tee, there was something else about the flag stick that you wipe it down. I have special bunker wipers or flag wipers or I don't even know what's going on anymore. Last question from the gallery. And we do encourage these because it's about how people learn to play the game or maybe questions that you've always wanted answered. But also they're way better than the questions you ask, Phil. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, Bulgaria had to edit that out, Shooter. Um, if a group in front of you is dawdling and checking their phones, chatting, laughing and enjoying themselves as if they were walking around Northcote Golf Course in the middle of COVID. <laughs> or, maybe buying, or maybe buying lunch at one of your, uh, one of your uh, uh, Sorry, food vans. What's, what's, the require, what's the required etiquette? To get them to move faster, other than in sideways where you peg a ball at them. Oh, no, the old, no, just, just drive them. <laughs> yeah, okay, just hit them. Northcote. So it is a really yeah, a Northcote philosophy. It just went in doubt, shoot the bastards. <laughs> or, or, or stab to keep it in. Uh... Shooter, how would you encourage it, it, the group in... in front of you to speed up fractionally? What is there special words that you've used historically? Like, um, gee, slow round today, but big gap in front of you. Now, see, I'm, I'm not good at venting my anger actually at the, I'm a bit George costanza I'll blow up <laughs> with the person I'm with and just lose it. And then, and then when the people turn around, I'm like, oh, God, uh, and do nothing. So I'm a bit of a blowhard when it comes to trying to speed up a group in front of me. Pump yourself up. Dav, have you got, uh, have you got any feedback for us? Uh, I'm, I'm rarely playing well enough to be driving up, up, up on anybody. He's, uh, he's really the victim. Generally, of the film. generally, generally, he's I'm the, the perpetrator subject. of that crime. <laughs> 
Well, look, and, and I'm and I'm and I'm kind enough to say, why don't you play through? Because I, I don't want that pressure either. I don't want the I don't want to play with yeah, people. Well, social media is way more important. Yeah, but there were questions for last week, Dev. Not this week. What's that? You know, about what happens if you're slowing down the group behind you and what do you do? <laughs> and then invite people up and well, we discover there's a bit of snobbery. It's, it's it's chicken and the egg, isn't it? Uh, apparently. <laughs> um, but in light of a, a fabulous victory that occurred this week on the Sanderson Farms Championship on the US PGA Tour, a young man by the name of Sergio Garcia got back on the winner's list. And as we like to do with our Tenuous Links podcast that are getting more and more tenuous as we go, we like to finish with a bit of a tale from the tour, Kipper. So have you got for us something that we can finish this podcast with a tale about our friend Sergio? Don't call him El Nino. Oh, well, I, <laughs> I've got a tale about the El, El Nino. We, uh, we played a tournament in Texas. Uh, actually spent three birthdays in a row there at TGI Fridays. Uh, horrendous <laughs> joint. Um, Lockdown. And no, no one rocked up, so I was by myself, but I ate some bloody good wings there. You know, three, three years in a row. But um, – <laughs> That wasn't the story. The story is that uh, that week we we start to uh, you know becoming good friends with Sergio because we played in the summer out here in Australia. And I was cutting for Bads at the time, and Bads uh, stitched him up in the um, the Greg Norman International in Sydney uh, in a playoff, and so we kind of just got to know the guy pretty good and had a few practice rounds before Augusta. And anyway, got to um, uh, <laughs> got to Texas, and uh, the boys were like riding high, both young, huge up and comers. Everyone wanted a piece of them. Played the first round, they both played pretty good. I think Serge was four, Bads was three under, uh, leaders were like six or seven, so they're right amongst it. And it backs on to a theme park. Now, I can't remember which one it was. It is, I think it's a universal park, but I, I don't know what one it's actually called. But anyway, backs on to the theme park, and um, the lads are like, you know, calling each other, going, well, let's go, go to the theme park because they, they had an early tea time. So they finished it. I don't know, one or two, and that was it. Tools down, off we go to theme park. So we ripped it up and we had all these VIP passes, so the old uh, no lines here, not no shoes, didn't exist. We just onto every ride and had an absolute ball. I've got some of the greatest photos of Serge and his, his little manager called Robert Gutierrez. A weird guy, actually, that guy. But anyway, Robert <laughs> Gutierrez at the time. And and me and Bads and yeah you, know, you know those photos where you come down the big dipper and there's the three year and one's about to spew up but the other three are having a great time. Well, I've got a, a few of those ripping photos. I know which one you are. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'm anyway, the spew up on. guy. Yeah. Anyway, so we we as I said we, we we had a great day and then that night I decided uh, they didn't. Uh, let's just say that anyway. Um, decided to go out and have a few frothies at um, Universal Studios, which had a a different. Um, little bar part to it, and there's one in Florida as well. But anyway, um, had a good time. Next morning, rock in there. We didn't have to tee off till late, but the boys couldn't hit it, and I mean couldn't hit it. And we think it had something to do with like a middle ear issue where they were so messed up from the day before with so many spin moves and all the rides we went on that they their balance was actually out. Right, a couple of their physical trainers like, didn't want us to go in the first place. But they shot like, I don't know, bad shot five or six over and so did Serge and they missed the cut terribly. <laughs> and the pair of them afterwards, like in a locker room, were just like, they, they, were, they were playing shots where they just, it was like, I suppose they were just off their game completely. And anyway, we sat there and we're just like, you know, having a bit of deep, because then it gets all, all gets serious then when, when everything doesn't go your way, right? <laughs> it's the who, the why, and what was wrong. And it was like, it was, just, it was yesterday, wasn't it? It was yesterday. And, and I'm thinking there, well, it probably wasn't yesterday. It was probably last night. But, but anyway, we'll, we'll go with yesterday. So from that point onwards, we, and I say we, were never, ever allowed to go to a theme park or do anything fun again on a Thursday afternoon for the rest of my caddying days, which lasted for 10 years. <laughs> That's why you quit. <laughs> 
That's why I quit. (laughs) (laughs) True story. And on that note, we'll bring this Tenuous Links Golf Podcast to a close. Thanks to those of you who've been supporting us by watching Golf Barons On Demand on KO and Foxtel. Watch this space. Some exciting news in that space coming shortly. And special thanks to our US and UK listeners who've been watching our first season on Amazon Prime Video in their respective regions. Head over to baronslife.com and sign up to get reminders about this podcast or to check out the latest issue of Barons Life Golf and Lifestyle magazine. Until next time, Barons, add some swagger to your swing. <laughs>